You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. You know, it's easy for us on this side of the cross to look back and see the resurrection. But for those who were enduring it, it was a different picture. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, there were three hours of darkness. And in that darkness, that's when he really suffered for our sins. The punishment we deserved was poured out on him. Each judgment for each sin, each condemnation for each person, all at once, all on the cross. Then in agony, he cried out in that darkness, It is finished! But that was just the beginning. He paid the penalty for our sins. He suffered in our place. The price was paid in full. Yes, it is finished. Salvation's wondrous plan was done. But early Sunday morning, something was happening. His disciples were cowering in fear. Why would they be afraid? Their leader was just crucified. And in that culture, in that day, when they took down your leader, you were next. That was the normal process. So his disciples were meeting together in fear, and, and they were together physically. Their bodies were assembled together, but, but they were not together emotionally. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody's mad at somebody else? Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. And so they're kind of close together. Maybe you're in the car, and you're a little upset, or somebody else is upset with you, and you're you're in the same car. You're separated by, you know, this much airspace maybe, but you're separated vastly farther. That's how they were, I think. Each was struggling. Each felt separated and isolated because they were fearful. They were discouraged. They didn't know what we know. Sunday was coming. Well, Sunday was there, but... They were still disheartened and a bit disillusioned. And for the first time in several years, they were leaderless. They were directionless. They were probably a little bit hopeless. And then things got amazing because Jesus is alive. And they were overwhelmed with joy that he's alive. Can you imagine? Mary Magdalene, the woman who had demons cast out of her, and probably, we don't know for certain, but probably the first person who ever loved her was Jesus. And, and it wasn't sexual at all, it was spiritual. And, and she felt loved and accepted for the first time in her life. She had friends, and, but she was drawn to Jesus, and she watched him die. And then she came with other ladies. They were going to anoint the body with ointment because they hadn't been able to do it before. 
and they didn't know how they were going to do it because the stone in front of the tomb and it was moved away and then they didn't know what had happened and somebody stolen the body and all this anxiety and then this person says her name. Mary. She knows that voice. She recognizes that. And Jesus is alive. And, and go tell them. And I don't think Mary went back saying, that was really interesting. How do you think she walked when she was going back? <laughs> Hopping and skipping and leaping. And I can't do it anymore, but that's what she was doing. And, and racing back. And with joy. He's alive. I talked with him. He talked with me. On that first Sunday, Jesus talked to Mary and Peter and Cleopas and others. And then he showed up in the room with them. Now, how about that? Right in the middle of the room, they're all gathered together. And suddenly Jesus shows up. And the first thing, peace be to you. And how did they respond? Ah, terrified. Ah. Look in your Bibles, please, at Romans chapter 1. We're going to be reading there in just a moment. He showed them the scars on his hands and his feet. And then a week later, he told Thomas he could touch those scars. And it wasn't like, you know, a guy thing. Hey, dude, check out my scars. It was, look, I'm the one who died for you. I have the proof. I'm the one that died. And here I am in your presence. We can't imagine that. I have been involved in a lot of funerals. I can't imagine someone coming back. And actually, when my parents and my older friends have died, I wouldn't want them to come back because they're with the Lord. They're in glory. They're bodies are resurrected. They're, they're with him. There's no sorrow, no suffering, no sickness, no pain. But there was Jesus, and, and he had the scars to prove that he's the very one who died, and he ate fish and honeycomb. I don't know if you've ever eaten honeycomb. It's really, really sweet. And then he had, he had been totally, completely, fully dead. Professional executioners pronounced him dead. Is there a wasp over there or something? Okay. Try and ignore him. If he comes your way, just blow him toward Charlie. Okay. He had died, and now he was alive. He was alive physically. Some people say, well, the Christ spirit came back. He ate fish. He ate honeycomb. He talked with them. They could touch him. They could see him. He was alive, bodily, a living, breathing, walking, talking, eating human being, fully alive. By his own testimony, he said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Y'all should have said something there, you know? Let's try this again. Jesus said... I am he that lives and was dead, and I'm alive forevermore. Amen. All right. We're getting there. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, 
separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, before the resurrection, what did the disciples call Jesus? Jesus. They called him Jesus. Sometimes they called him Master or Lord. Sometimes they called him Teacher or Rabbi. But most of the time, it was Jesus. But after the resurrection, after they saw the awesomeness of who he really was, it was always Jesus Christ our Lord. It was never just Jesus. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, our Lord, our Redeemer. So he says, um, in, uh, Paul says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith who, among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called are the called of Jesus Christ. We are included in that group. So in verse 2, the promise of the Redeemer and Savior was written throughout the Old Testament. Job testified. Job said, I know that somebody lives and will stand on the earth. What was the title he used? My Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer lives and someday will stand on the earth. And he has, and he will again. Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 describe the horrors of the crucifixion. Psalm 22 uses some of the exact words used in the crucifixion. And then Isaiah 53 describes why he died for us, bearing our sins. But it doesn't just end there. It also says in Isaiah 53 that he was going to receive an inheritance. An inheritance. Now, some of you have had somebody you loved and that person had died and they left you a bit of an inheritance. Uh, for some, a lot. For some, a little. We've had some folks die and leave an inheritance for the church. And we hated to see them leave us, but they left a blessing behind when they, when they left. And an inheritance comes to those who live. In my dad's will, he had it structured so that if one of his kids died, the bit of inheritance that they would have received would go to their kids. So my brother died before my dad. So my brother's three kids got a third of what would have been my brother's inheritance. And the one who's alive receives the inheritance, not the one who's dead. And Jesus, who died in our place, was receiving an inheritance from the Father. Verse 3 says, he was born of the seed of David. If you read through the Gospels, you will see that Mary was a direct descendant of King David. By the way, so was Joseph, but Joseph wasn't involved in the biology. It was God the Father and Mary in the biology. And so the scripture said Messiah would come from the seed of David's family. He would be one of David's descendants. So you go all the way back to King David and you track it down through all his kids and there's Mary and Joseph, but Mary in particular. Note the phrase it says in verse 3, according to the flesh. 
This speaks of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully human, fully God, and fully man. How does that work? I don't know. When I see him face to face, maybe he'll explain it to me. But I think by the time we see him face to face, we won't have questions like that. We'll be just so in awe of who he is. He didn't give up his divinity to become humanity. He didn't act with the power of God when he was on the earth. He did some miracles and some things like that. But for the most part, he was hungry. He was thirsty. He was walking. He, he lived a normal human life. In his humanity, he was related to David. In his divinity, he is the Son of God and God the Son. There's a physical family resemblance to uh, Jesus and his half-siblings and maybe his aunts and uncles and, and his mother. Uh, and then verse 4 talks about according to the Spirit. Verse 3 was the seed of David. And verse 4 declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and in His humanity, Son of David. In His divinity, Son of God. He is the second person of the Godhead. And here it says that in verse 4 that He was declared to be the Son of God with power. You really want to make a statement? Come back from the dead. You know, years ago when I was a kid, my dad was, uh, we were on vacation and we stopped in a, a school. The leader of that school was a faith healer. I'm not sure why we were there. My dad just took us there. He didn't follow the guy, didn't do any of that, but we were in the neighborhood and he wanted to go see it. So. We're there seeing the school, and, and the, uh, my dad was involved in a lot of things, and a lot of people knew my dad. And so the, the founder of the school, the president of the school, he's walking along with us, showing us the campus. And he's a faith healer, right? Did I mention that? Okay. So we come around the corner, and he says, and this building that's under construction, this is our hospital. We're building a teaching hospital to train doctors and nurses and all. And this is our hospital. I'm just a kid, right? But I was a mouthy kid too. And so I said to him, why are you building a hospital? Why don't you just heal all the people? He didn't have a good answer for that. If you want to be God's answer man, then have all the answers, okay? We're all growing, we're all learning. But when you raise yourself up and say, I am the one you need to follow, no, you need to follow Jesus. I'm helpful to you if I help you follow Jesus. But if I distract you from following Jesus, then it's not helpful. So Jesus is alive. He came back from the dead, declared to be the Son of God with power. Yeah. He said, I lay down my life and I take it back again. No one can take it from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it back up. And that's exactly what he did. Declared means explained or characterized or designated as specifically and verifiably marked to be. Son of God. Declared 
to be. It was his resurrection that absolutely galvanized his apostles. It was his resurrection that gave them the boldness and the strength to go and witness for him. Declared to be the Son of God with power, ability, and might, and strength, and force. Now see, other people came back from the dead, right? I I was reading my Bible this morning about Elijah in our Bible classes, we've been talking about Elijah, and, and uh, uh, so if you're not there yet in the Bible class, spoiler alert here, but, but after Elijah died, he's put in a tomb, and then uh, they're dealing with another guy has died, and they're going to bury him, but, but the, they see enemy guys, and so they say, oh, we'll just throw him in here real quick. So they take the dead guy and they throw him in. Not a very respectful way to handle a dead guy, but, but they throw the body in there and his body touched the bones of Elisha. And he came back from the dead. So you know, it was probably a small stone, roll the stone, throw the body in. They start to roll the stone back and the buddy says, don't shut the door. I'm coming out. So other people were raised from the dead. We, we read that in scripture. Um, there was a Shunammite woman whose son was raised from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But they were all raised by someone else. By that prophet speaking with the power and authority of God, or by God himself in the person of Jesus Christ raising that person from the dead. Like, how many of you have ever been involved in a funeral procession? Yeah, I, I was actually involved in one where they were walking because it was from the chapel to the graveside was close, and so everybody was walking along in, in that process. Uh, but most of the time you drive from one to the other, but, but they were walking along, and Jesus stopped the funeral procession. You remember what he did? He raised the kid from the dead. He stopped the funeral procession, raised him up, presented him to his widow mother, and he had that power. But he's the only one who ever had the power to raise himself from the dead. Declared to be the Son of God with power. He came back on his own with no assistance. Exactly as he said he would do. The resurrection from the dead. He was dead. He was alive that quickly. It's like when you die, absent from the body, present with the Lord, instantaneously with him. He died, he was buried, he wanted to come back, he came back, he was fully alive. Death gave it its best shot, but Jesus overpowered death and the grave, and he is alive forevermore, and we are on his team. Now, just as the, his body confirmed his humanness, so his resurrection affirmed and confirmed his godness, declared to be the Son of God with power. And then in verse 5, he says, through him we have received the grace and apostleship. Now, Paul was an apostle, and others were apostles, and we aren't apostles like that. So for us, we don't have apostle in the capital A sense of the word. We have apostle in the lowercase a. We are representatives of Jesus sharing his message to those who are willing to listen. We're a little itty-bitty little apostle, but he was a big apostle, one of the 
apostles called of God. But through him, we all have received grace. We have new life in Christ. When Christ rose from the dead, the curse of death was lifted for all who believe. It feels final. When you bury somebody that you loved and cared for, it feels final, but it's not. Death is going to be swallowed up in victory. In fact, it already has been. We just don't get to see it yet. We're on this side of life. But when we get to the other side of life and we're with the Lord, then we see death had no power. When Christ rose from the dead, the curse of death was lifted for all who believe. Jesus didn't just cancel our sin debt. He adopted us into his family. So we are his. If you've been in our Bible classes looking at the uh, uh, prophets, Elijah, now Elisha, uh, they did some amazing and wonderful things. And yet when you read in the book of Hebrews, the chapter, the 11th chapter, it's sometimes called the roll call of faith. And it talks about people who live by faith and did great things. Name somebody who's mentioned there in Hebrews 11. Abraham, Moses. Starts with Abel. Mentions all, even mentions Rahab. Uh, but uh, people like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, others we read about in the Old Testament. They're like, these people live by faith and they did these things. And when you live by faith, God is pleased. He wants you and I to live by faith. But the writer of Hebrews then concludes that great chapter, the testimony of faith. He concludes with these words about Old Testament times, about those who lived in the, what we call the Old Testament economy. That's theologically what it's called, which includes the time period in the Gospels because it was before the resurrection of Jesus Christ those who lived in that Old Testament economy, they were looking forward to a Messiah who would come. They were trusting in the promises that would come. And here's what the writer of Hebrews said. These, those people that we just talked about, they having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided some, something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In the Old Testament, they looked forward to the cross, to the Savior who would come, to the one who would die. And then Jesus came, and he fulfilled all the messianic prophecies. And, and they could see, this is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. And they recognized him. And now you and I, we're over here, and we're looking back on the cross. And we're looking at that. And you know what? The writer of Hebrews says, we're more blessed than they are. I would have loved to have seen Elijah go up in a chariot of fire like Elisha did. But we're more blessed than he was. Because we're part of the church, which is called the body of Christ. Called his bride. We are special. We have a unique relationship with God. And so we trust in the assurance of Jesus Christ who came and fulfilled the prophecies and died in our place and rose again. And now he 
has glorious power that he demonstrated. And he established the church. We looked Friday night that he gave himself for the church, for the assembling of believers together. And that we would carry on his work until he calls us home. And they knew he would be coming. But we are called in his name to serve with his authority and to carry on his ministry. They didn't have that. We do. Because we serve a risen Savior. They serve a Redeemer who would come, as Job testified. So Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by God. We are blessed. We have an inheritance and, and it's not going to go away. Now, I knew a lady who had a house. It was an inheritance that she got. And she loaned that house out to a family member. And that family member uh, didn't take care of the house. Let the dogs run wild in the house and, and uh, didn't clean up the dog messes. And there was a leak in the roof and he didn't do anything about it. And... He lived in there for several years, and then finally when he was moving out, she went in and saw how bad it was, and so she called a contractor, and the contractor came out, and the contractor reported it to the city, and the city declared it uninhabitable and unrepairable, and they tore the house down. And all she was left with was the little plot of land the house had been on, and that was all she had left. All the rest of her inheritance was destroyed by a family member. Your inheritance can go away really quickly in the economies on earth. But the inheritance you have in heaven is secure forever because Jesus Christ makes it happen. He who overcame death, he who was declared to be the Son of God with power, he says he is building a place for us and will take us home to be with him. And we have an inheritance guaranteed. Our hope in Christ is better than just avoiding hell. Avoiding hell is pretty awesome, isn't it? That's pretty amazing and great stuff. But our hope in Christ is even better than that. It's not just, hey guys, don't go to hell, follow me. It's I'm going to let you serve in my name and minister in my name. And if you even give a cup of cold water in my name to somebody, I'm going to reward you for it in heaven. And you're going to be adopted into the family. So we're part of God's family in Christ. He made us ambassadors. We represent him. He made us personal representatives. He made us teammates. We serve with him. And he made us family. My younger brother's adopted. 
and somebody made a comment about, well, he's just adopted, as if that made him less my brother. And I said, no, he's my brother. And the way he puts it is, he's the only one mom and dad chose. All the rest of us, mom went to the hospital, the doctor said, look, you brought this thing in here, you take it home, right? He said, they checked me out and they chose me. You are chosen by God to be in his family. You fully belong with Paul and Peter and James and John. You belong in heaven with them. You have an inheritance in heaven with them. We have so much more. By his resurrection, he is declared to be the Son of God with power. And through him, we have received grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace that is such a a generous gift. He gives us something we do not deserve. In his mercy, he holds back what we deserved, hell, but in his grace, he gives us so much more than what we deserve. And because of Christ, after your life on earth is ended, you too receive an inheritance that is already being prepared in heaven for you. And it has your name on it. It's reserved. For you. you know, one of the passages in Scripture says that God like, gives us a name, a new name when we're with Him. How many of you have a nickname? Some of you maybe are known more by your nickname than your real name. I don't know. Uh, but you have that nickname, and so close friends and family, they call you that nickname. And, and sometimes it's a name you like, and sometimes it's not. But, but, you know, the people who use that name are the people that you're closer to. You're going to get a name from Jesus, his special name for you. And he puts you into his family, into his church, into his kingdom, and someday into his home to live with him forever. He is risen. risen Really? I mean, that's the best you can do? Maybe I didn't prime you just right. All right, ready for this? Ready? He is risen! He is risen For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.